Hey everyone, uh, I'm Rev Chris and I'm with my guest and friend, David Ingle. It's good to be back. And uh, we're going through um, uh, John's Gospel. We are now on chapter 11, um, which is a great chapter. Yeah, I'm quite excited 11. to get into it. Um, so this is Come Read With Us. As we uh, start off, David, do you want to? You want to pray? I'd love to. Lord Jesus, as we uh, think about how you bring resurrection and life, uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, bring fresh um, fullness of life uh, to us and to everyone uh, listening to this as we dig into this amazing passage. And would you also help us to understand more what it means for you to be the resurrection and the life, for us to, to meet you in the words of, of your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen to everyone listening and uh, amen, hello to everyone watching on YouTube. Um, cool, let's get into it. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you and yet you are going back there. Jesus answered. Are there not 12 hours of daytime, daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. It is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. After he'd said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant natural sleep. So he then told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now, Very there's a lot to, to say. Thomas. Yeah, Thomas <laughs> classic. I think this is a bit of a joke from Thomas, right? Um, but... So we're going to get into the more of the story that he, you know, and the whole story. So let's try and keep it, I think, focused on what we're reading uh, before we do a whole analysis of the whole story, because we'll mm. get there. So what, how, what, do we, what can we say here? So firstly, it's kind of nice detail that John is included. Um, Jesus loved Martha and the sister mm. and, and, you know, and Lazarus. So they were obviously quite close. Um, he mm. knew them. Um, and... Uh, you know, Bethany is just, is the small village outside uh, Jerusalem. Mm. They're often a stop off point before you enter Jerusalem. And I wonder if they would often visit yeah. Mary and Martha and Lazarus and they come up in other parts of the story as well. So they're obviously quite close. Um, and it's just nice to know. Mm. Nice an interesting note. I, I, I also, I, I, I feel like this, this first bit um, is, is one that's, that's taught me a lot over the years. And, yeah. 
I used to sort of almost read this just this is this the introduction. Yeah. Just trying to gloss over it, get quickly to the good bit, which exactly. is going to be the miracle that follows. But I've really tried to sort of inhabit this. Um and I suppose what strikes me is how weird and difficult Jesus's uh, behavior would have felt to Martha and Mary. And and we do see that later on, but I won't, won't go there. But like, you know, he hears that Lazarus is ill. Mm. Clearly he's got the power to heal Lazarus and he just waits until Lazarus dies. Mm. So it, it, it's as though right from the start, he knows what's going to happen. In fact, he says to the disciples here, this illness will not end in death. Mm. You know, so they're thinking, great, great, great. He's going to heal Lazarus. Whereas actually it's not going to end in death, but it is going to go go through death and, mm. and Lazarus dies. And it just seems incomprehensible that unless you know how the story ends. Mm. But it seems strange that Jesus deliberately allows Mary and Martha to to suffer and, and yeah. Lazarus to go through, actually, I was going to say to the point of death, but even to death. Interesting. And, I hadn't and thought it, of it like that, yeah. And it, it sometimes makes me think about, about our sufferings yeah. in life. And this is where it's really spoken to me. Oh, and wow. you, you, you sort of, you, you read this and, and you know... Mm. that Jesus is allowing the three of them to suffer because he's going to do something even more glorious and more wonderful at the end of it. And they're going to look back with the sort of the benefit of hindsight and go, oh, wasn't this wonderful? Wasn't this cool? Wasn't this amazing? That's fine. But for four days yeah. and for the couple of days, I suppose, when Lazarus is dying, mm. you know, they, they don't have that. Mm. And and I suppose, you know, we say, okay, it's only four days they didn't know it was only four days. Mm. Mary and Martha didn't know. Plus he, the he agony was about, of pain he, of well, the exactly. loss. Like, you know, so, so they didn't know it was going to be only four days. And and you say, well, I can cope with four days in the context of life, but but maybe not if you if you don't know they're going to come to an end. And actually our lives within the context of the span of eternity are, are nothing, really. They're just a blink of an eye. And so I've I've often come to this and thought, you know, Jesus had as it turned out, really good reasons and loving reasons for allowing Mary and Martha's hopes and prayers and Lazarus's hopes and prayers to be disappointed. And and maybe that helps me to trust that when I'm in the same place, he might have good reasons to, to yeah, allow me I to really, walk through the I valley. I really like that, David. I've not heard that kind of interpretation before which is basically you saying Jesus could have stopped them having this pain of loss, but he didn't. He allowed them to have it and he went later and mm. then he resurrected him, which is interesting because, yeah, you're right. It does speak into our pain and, you know, events that may have happened. Mm. Um, yeah, it's good. That's good, man. Yeah, I mean, Thomas, the same one, you know, who's later called, referred to as Doubting Thomas, yeah. a little bit unfairly maybe. But again, he's the kind of, I don't know, it's kind of a smart Alec comment, isn't it? It's like, oh, well, I, that's how I read it. Oh, it's more, see, it's more always, like, oh, okay, let's all go and let's all die. Do you know what I mean? see, I'd read it as, a, as an afraid comment. I'd be like, I, I felt it was like giving up. He, he'd been sort of saying to Jesus, mm. don't go, don't go, don't go. They're going to kill you. Yeah. And Jesus says, oh, but Lazarus is dead. So I better go. And d Thomas is like, we're all going to die. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I've, I'll follow you. 
Oh, I mean, we're both being quite cynical towards yeah, yeah. Thomas. Maybe you could read it that Thomas said, the rest of the disciples, you know, he, he could read like this. Guys, if this is it, let's all go with him because I'm going to die with him. Well, I suppose my my take is compatible with that in that yeah. if whatever you think he, he's saying, he follows Jesus. Yeah. And if, if he if he genuinely thinks he's going to die, that's wonderful faith. From mm. Thomas, mm. E- e- bit morbid, e- e- oh. even if it is quite a depressed, <laughs> wonderful thing. Yeah. yeah, I suppose my comical. Oh, guys, let, well, let's all go then and die, shall we? That's how I read it. Yeah. But maybe I'm wrong. Happy to be wrong. But even then, he follows. So even, I suppose, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, where else would he go? Mm. Right. Let's carry on. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. I'm just going to stop there for a second. So uh, people sometimes get confused by the the days here, but there's a day, there's a couple of days of travel. Mm. isn't there so that's why it's four days so mm. the person left to tell them that he's sick um duh, 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 duh. right isn't there a day isn't there a problem with the days here if you just well, read it well yeah i mean oh, two yeah. days yeah when he heard that lazarus was sick he stayed two more days yeah so in a sense that's three days so the day of the person coming yeah. two more days so, and then the travel back is maybe a day or two days and that's why He's been dead four days. Yeah. Is that right? But, but Sorry, so, so I suppose have... probably if Jesus had left immediately, Lazarus would still have been dead by the time he got there. Right. But um, why does he wait? It almost it's almost as though he's he's holding fire and he's waiting until mm. until that's certain. Mm. But, cool. So yeah, the, so anyway, so, so he's been there. there four days. Um Bethany, they go to Bethany. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her notice how quickly she got up and went out they followed her supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there when mary reached the place where jesus was and saw him she fell at his feet and said lord if you'd been here my brother would not have died when jesus saw her weeping and the jews who had come along with her also weeping he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled where have you laid him he asked come and see lord they replied jesus wept Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? I mean, I I, I love this part. Part of the reason why I I sort of thought, began to think that the things that we were talking about before about sort of Jesus deliberately allowing this to happen 
is actually by looking at what what the others say. Mm. And on one level, there's the, the the onlookers who are like, couldn't he who opened the eyes of the blind have mm. saved this man from death? And the answer is yes, he yeah. could have done. But also, um, I can't remember who pointed this out to me, but I hadn't seen it before. Mary and Martha have obviously been chatting about Jesus. Mm. And they're obviously upset, mm. angry, disappointed, wh whatever the word is, because what they ask Jesus is exactly the same question. Mm. So both of them say, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mm. So it's it, it's too close. Yeah. It, it, it's identical. It, it, that, it's the, great faith. It, it, mm. it, well, no, I was going to say, I think it must have come from the mm. discussions that they've had. Mm. And and that, so we have these two women who've been having the same discussion who who I think have been thinking, well, why didn't Jesus come? Mm. They, they will have known how long it, took to get to mm. jesus how long to come back why is he delayed why hasn't he hurried mm. why hasn't jesus answered our mm. it probably wouldn't have called it a prayer but our plea yeah and that's sort of where some of my my thinking there came from but then but then i'm intrigued by his response to them because i would have said no no wait 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 martha it's fine i'm gonna raise him from the dead chill out yeah but he doesn't say that um, number one so 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 even here he doesn't quite sort of go where I'd expect him to go. Mm. But what he does do is just so beautifully personal to the two of them. Mm. So they're two sisters. They've both had the same bereavement, but they've obviously dealt with it very differently. They're obviously in a different place. And, you know, you and I are both pastors and, you know, both have our own experiences as well. And, and different people respond to the same tragedies in just very different ways. And, and Martha's, asks him this question and Mary asks him this question, exactly the same question. And he responds in radically different ways. And I love that. I, he, he responds to to Martha and maybe we'll have a look at it in a moment. I'll, mm. I'll, I'll let you you go there yeah, when, when, in it, a yeah. moment. But but he responds theologically. He responds by speaking about about who he is and what it means to be a follower of of, of him. And you kind of almost can see the cogs in her mind mm. whirring, and that's what she's struggling with. And so he meets her where she's at. And then Mary is just distraught. Yeah. And he doesn't he doesn't bother to try and say no no no. But Mary, let me explain stuff to her. He just weeps. Yeah. He just weeps alongside her. Yeah. And they're both beautifully brilliant pastoral responses, but they're perfectly tailored as well and individual. And I do love how God doesn't treat us all the same. You right. know, he doesn't meet you in the same way that he meets me and he doesn't meet me in the same way that he meets you, mm. but he meets you in the right way for you and me in the right way for me. Um, and I think maybe particularly when we we find the Lord's comfort in our afflictions. So again, just the whole way that Jesus works in this passage is one that I've reflected on a lot around I, I that whole think, thing of pain and suffering. Yeah, <clears throat> I think I think that's a really interesting reflection. I I also think it's permission giving to to feel sad and weep. Sometimes yeah. in our Christian circles, we're like, you know, even at funerals, and and I've, I get kind of a little bit disappointed sometimes where mm. people in a funeral will say, "Oh no, it's a celebration. It's a celebration of their life," mm. and it's like, well. I know that you're meaning well by that. I know that you mm. you mean well, but there is a time for weeping, and now is the time. They're dead. You know, like let's let's embrace the sadness now. Like there is a time to celebrate, and that is a wedding, and there is a time mm. to weep, and that is a funeral. 
And they are human reactions and they are human emotions. And we can feel that pain. It's just, we are terrified, I think, of feeling mm. pain. And so many funerals, like they start with, oh, it's a celebration of their life. Why? Why, why do you do that? Because well, in somehow people's mind, sad is bad. And sad is not bad. Sad is just sad. And that's okay. It's okay to feel sadness. And I think here, Jesus, Jesus is weeps. giving permission by weeping. He knows he's about to raise Lazarus. Yeah. He knows he's about to restore him. He knows that death has no hold over, over Lazarus if Jesus himself commands it. He knows he's about to restore Lazarus to his sisters and bring great joy. <clears throat> but in the moment, he sees the pain. He sees the suffering. He feels... The, the way in which sin has a grip mm, on all these people. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, I'm sorry. And he weeps. And it's just so, it's the shortest verse in the Bible, John 11, 35, Jesus wept. And yet it's so powerful. It's like a lightning strike across the sky in which is there for a moment. But in that moment, it lights up everything. And that right there, God says, your pain and your sadness, I'm with you. And I and I see it and I acknowledge it and you should feel it and I'm and you're okay to feel it and I will feel it with you. Yeah, you're not going through it alone. I'm, no. I'm with you. I mean, I, I I I I do love what you say and and I think that I mean I understand why people want to do the let's celebrate their life because yeah. it, it's a way of trying to cope with the grief. Yeah, but, but I think it's but a I think it's way. I think it, it it the the tragedy is it doesn't really work because. Yeah. I've been in those funerals where people have said, let's not mourn, let's celebrate. But the truth is, you you know, the tears still come and you yeah. can't deny the depth and the pain of the grief. And and actually, even, even though there is a, a good and proper part for celebrating mm. someone's life in a funeral, you know, you yeah. have a eulogy and yes. you, you talk about there all that was wonderful them, yeah. and good about them. In my experience, I think back to my father's funeral, it was, it was in the middle of the eulogy that I was, you know, weeping rivers yeah. because remembering... All that was wonderful about him was painful yeah. because we'd lost it. Yeah, um, and exactly. I, I think of the the late Queen. I'm going to misquote it slightly, but she said something really beautiful at, at one point. I don't know when, when she said, "Grief is the price we pay for pay for love." Yeah, and that was it was that was it's so currency, true. Yeah. And you know, when you love someone, pay it gladly if you need if you yeah. someone is lost. Pay it gladly. Give mm. them your tears and your weeping and your mourning and get it out. It is healing to do that. Mm. And to, to somehow, it feels like if we run from pain and grief, we end up running forever and it just chases us forever. Mm. If you stop and face it and embrace it, you become one with it for a time. And there is a season in which it is painful and difficult and you weep and you cry. And then you move past it. I mean, you say embrace it. It's more a case of it kind of washes over you in ways. Yes, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that there's there's a way there's in a, which there's a story we, we should about run cows away. and buffaloes about that. I heard this once. Someone said that when a storm is brewing, um, cows move away and buffaloes run towards, <laughs> and the buffaloes will meet the storm in a in a in a run and they will pass through the storm and the rain and the wet and the cold and quickly. then quickly <laughs> and then the storm will pass them and they'll be on the other side cows move away and they end up being chased by the storm and just getting soaked because they walk with it mm. and um anyway it's just an interesting thing that sometimes we need to we have to accept mm. that we will have pain and suffering mm. and that it is like i said it is not it is not bad to be sad. Mm. It is just sad. And when we label, when Christians hold on white knuckling it to be like, I have to be joyful. I have to because 
And it's like, well, no, Jesus wept. Like he, God knows crying. Yeah. He knows pain. Um, and it's a very real and true experience to being human. And it is one that should not be neglected nor rejected, mm. but should be accepted for what it is. And it is sad and, and we will go through sad stuff. And yeah. Can, can I just say as well, if you are mm. listening to this and mm. you are going through pain and suffering yeah. at the moment, can I just affirm you? Can I just say it's okay to feel what you're feeling? Mm. And can I also, two things. One would be just to encourage you to turn to God. Mm. The Jesus who wept with Martha will weep with you, mm. with, wept with Mary, will, will weep with you and 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 is compassionate and mm. loves to to sit and hold us in the difficult times. Mm, mm. Um, but I'd also encourage you to, to lean on your friends. I know when I've been through bereavement, when my dad died and, mm. and, you know, less at other times, you know, my friends have been amazing. And I think one of the things that the Jews did really, really well in their culture, and which we see in this story is how everybody just comes. Yeah. Gathers to be around with yeah. Mary and Martha. And if you're someone and, and you've got friends going through bereavement at the moment, I think in our culture, because it's quite new and alien to us often, you know, we we haven't experienced death ourselves. We don't know what helps, what doesn't help. And people often say to me as a pastor, I just, but I just don't know what to say. And the answer is, that's okay. I mean, there isn't a right thing to say. Mm. Nobody knows quite what to say. But just being there, mm. just being there makes all the difference. Don't worry if you don't know what to say. Don't worry that you'll put your foot in it. Just go there and hang out with the person who's who's struggling. Mm. Um, and take your cue from them, you know. If, if they want to laugh about the stories of yeah. the person they've lost, laugh with them, and if they want to cry, cry. But yeah, mm. there's there's something about supporting one another that's really powerful. Yeah. I mean, one advice I would say is uh, the greater the the pain or the tragedy, like I think the, the greater the need for presence and the less need for talk. Yeah, that's very you know, wise. They, they just need you to be there and you don't need to say anything. You will not you know who brings comfort in the loss mm. of a child with words you just can't no. you just need to be there and yeah. and be be silent with someone um and do what you know in a sense job's counselors did in the first seven days yeah they did really well they and then they, they, said, they said nothing and they just <laughs> stayed with him but yeah i um people mean well and they try to help and they often say the, the wrong thing mm. um so I try and have grace for them but um yeah, I would. Yeah, I would just. If you're going through something, then firstly, I'm sorry for your pain, but secondly, God is deeply with you in it, and um, um, and you can weep. Mm. You can weep. Um, let's carry on. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up to heaven, um, looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you will always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, he called, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped in, with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Wow. <laughs> 
you imagine? I just, this is, is almost like a, a comical moment in my mind of like death in a sense, or like I imagine a, you know, death or the devil or whatever, like just bear with me in this imagery, like in, 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 in Hades, in the kingdom of the underworld or whatever. And, uh, and then Lazarus, he's like, yeah, I got you, you know, Lazarus, a friend of Jesus. And then suddenly it's like this voice comes in and rocks this whole place. And there's like the, the, the doors break open and Lazarus is just called and he's like, I'm off. And this shivering quiver of a death is like, what's happening? And Lazarus is like, bye, Jesus calling me. And he just walks out like just this, this, this way in which Jesus commands so much authority that he can just speak words into death and death shrinks away. Mm. And, you know, in, in any boxing match, there's, you know, the warm up fight. Like, I don't know if you watched like the heavyweight boxing with like Tyson Fury or Darren T. Wilder mm. or whatever. And, um, and before those matches, there's always like these, these lighter weight fights. Mm. And it feels like this is a bit of the lighter weight fight in which Jesus calls out from death someone else. And then death is probably quaking in his boots a little bit. Mm. And then the next is the heavyweight in which Jesus himself goes down. Mm. And he's like, duh, 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 you know, Rocky music playing. He's like, hey, so I willingly came here. And now guess what? I'm going to completely, forgive me, kick your ass, death. And uh, and death is like, ah. And then he's just, he defeats him and, and comes back from the dead himself later on. But yeah, I just, I think it's just so, so powerful, so great. And yeah. just... Love it. I really love that imagery. Um, <laughs> I'm not convinced by it, like yeah. in the details theologically. Mm. We maybe ought to say. I don't think sure. Chris is is saying that that is literally yes. what happens. It's but, just the, but it's a beautiful image. Yeah. Um. I also um. And this is me. You know, I should be much holier than me, but than than, than I am. Um, but one of the thoughts that comes through my mind is, how did this actually work? I mean, the mm. guy is dressed like the mummy. Yes. Um. And he's bound hand and foot and he can't see yes and he comes out is he like hopping yeah i'd say so i think he's like <laughs> i i think he's probably like like kind of woke up and on you know he would have been laid in a tomb and they wouldn't have been in coffins they would have i think they're laid they're in linen and then they're laid on a concrete mm. kind of bench yeah. so he probably would have like woken up and then started to pull away at his things and maybe got a couple of his but feet he, but he can't pull away at his things because his hands are bound by his side well maybe whoever did it they didn't do it very well or, or <laughs> also strips of linen um you know, gives you an impression that there may be long lines of thin strips, but also it doesn't necessarily mean that, like linen can be wrapped around in bigger ways. So he could have maybe loosened it in some way. Anyway, the point is, it is quite a funny imagery. Of, oh. <laughs> but again, I also think like as a preacher, the way that I do this is often Jesus calls us from death to life, but we have, we are still bounded by grave clothes. Hmm. And Jesus says to the community around him, help him release mm. him from these grave clothes That's and i think image. it's a really it's a really profound image of community in that people will come to christ and they're saved they're raised again mm. but it is up to the community to help them take off their grave clothes to help them get out of difficult things in their lives mm. and or addiction or or, or problems the or sin so, that so easily entangles yeah or you know or st you know and, and help them to be cleansed and that's part of the gift of community mm. um i also think like there's an there's an analogy for the way in which you know jesus is like you know take away the stone and initially there is this uh, it's met with reticence like what are you talking about we can't do that there'll mm. be a stink da, 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 da. 
And he's like, move the stone. And then when they do in obedience that he calls out yeah. from something from death to life. And there is a way in which sometimes we are called to remove the stone, even though we think what will happen, what I'm not sure, but remove the stone and then God calls life out. Um, and, you know, asking those questions like, what is the stone that needs to be moved? Although I, I love the fact that even Martha, who, who's this woman of great faith, just a moment for you, yes, Lord, I believe. Yeah. And he's like, move the stone. And she's like, but he's going to be a bit stinky. Yeah. The King James Version says, he stinketh. <laughs> he stinketh, Lord. At least I think it says that. Um, uh, and, and, and like, I love that Jesus doesn't go, right, well, then you missed your chance. Yeah, of course. Yeah. He's well, like, you say, of course, but I think sometimes we think we that. We think that, yeah. I think sometimes we think, oh, if I, I, I don't know, I've come a lot across a lot of people who are scared of missing the voice of God. Yeah. They're scared that God's going to tell them to, some, to do something and they're, they're not going to realise it or they're going to sort of just do the wrong reaction and then and then their life's going to be ruined forever. Mm. And, the, you know, the, the Jesus we follow is this Jesus, the one that when she says, oh, but Lord, he's going to stink. And she's thinking practically. We know she was quite a practical woman, mm. but he doesn't go, oh, come on, right, that's it for you. But he goes, no, 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 I'm going to continue to call you to faith. Yeah. Um, and and she doesn't miss out. And I like that. And I and I think that, you know, the, the Lord, it's not just the God of second chances, but, you know, 70 second chances yeah, and 170 yeah. second chances and so on. Right, let's carry on. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary had seen what Jesus did, put their faith in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing many miraculous signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. Then one of them named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, spoke up. You know nothing at all. You do not re you do not realize that it is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. He did not say this on his own, but as a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation and not only for that nation, but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the Jews. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the desert to a village called Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus, and as they stood in the temple area, they asked one another, What do you think? Isn't he coming to the feast at all? But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that if anyone found out where Jesus was, he should report it so that they might arrest him. That big heavyweight prize fight the the main fight it's coming that, that up. you said it's 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 happening it's happening and it's happening. um one thing that uh, it struck me that maybe we didn't touch on just quickly to say about the the raising of lazarus was the importance of the four days so in jewish law the understanding was for 3 days um a, bo a, a spirit tradition, this is what I understand, that a spirit of the deceased would hang around and then it would depart. Like there was a tradition within the the the, the Jewish kind of 
a tradition, not necessarily a scriptural thing, but that a dead person would, would after three days, the spirit fully move on. And so four days is used here as a clear example that not only is uh, he dead, but he's decaying mm. and he's clearly, clearly dead. Yeah, he didn't just faint. Yeah, and also Jesus being raised on the third day is a signpost as well that um, he he was truly dead and now something else is going on, like he's passing. Um, and that's just an interesting idea is like some traditional thinking is like, there's the the spirit is 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 starting to recognize it's moving on or something i don't know it's it's a bit odd but i've heard that before that they, mm. they, there's a reason that they locate the days it's funny i hadn't heard that before mm, mm. um i suppose it's the sort of thing I, I mean i'm sure you're right that that is what sort of was the i suppose we might call the f the, the the folk understanding yeah, at yeah. the time i don't think we'd yeah. we'd give it sort of full this is what we believe or it's not no, what the bible teaches not, yes or but, of course <laughs> but one well, no but but jesus and the disciples would have been aware that yes. that was what was in the minds of the other people there yeah. And um, I think so maybe there is clearly, there is power in that that, yeah, exactly. that Jesus like, has waited until that there is no question Lazarus is dead yeah. and i've just raised him from the dead yeah um, amen i always find caiaphas I think this this extraordinary prophecy, where he's trying to say let let's kill him so that the yeah. the Romans don't get us, but inadvertently mm. he prophesies. Yeah, it's interesting, um, and he's given the credit for it by yeah. John as a writer. He's like, yeah, and he didn't do this on his own. He actually prophesied. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also think that they're like, don't we we've got to kill this guy because otherwise everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will will bring an end to the Jewish nation. Mm. And actually, of course, in trying to resist the things of God, they don't manage to achieve what they set out for in that the Romans do come not that long after. And, you know, Jerusalem falls and it, the disaster of 70 AD, so mm. 30 or 40 years later. So I think sometimes we think, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to go all in with the things of God mm. because I think I want to protect us from the negative consequences. Well, mm. if we walk away from God, mm. we, we don't get the blessings that God wants us to get, mm. but actually we don't avoid the things mm. we were trying to avoid anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Just keep coming back to the Lord. Yeah. Confessing to him, trusting mm. in his righteousness, not in man, but in the Lord. Mm. Chapter 12. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here was here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Just want to stop there. These are one of the, I said mm, this in our last like podcast. This, this is beautiful. This is such an eyewitness account. Mm. You know, like here is John. He was obviously there and he describes this moment. And I think it's quite, I think it's only unique. This story and this smell is uniquely to John. Um, and, you know, Mary comes along, expensive perfume, and she pours it on his feet. She wipes it with her hair. Obviously this wonderful sign of, of just, love and devotion and um and as jesus goes on 
um, mm. this beautiful outpouring of her faith. And then just and as, I suppose it makes so much more sense as well in yeah, light of the story we just like, had. Yeah, you, know, like you raised this, this woman is just like, oh, and, and it, you get the impression Mary and Martha aren't married. Mm. which also means that they were economically dependent probably on their brother Lazarus. Mm. So there's just so many things that must have been wound up in the losing mm. of Lazarus, the the heartbreak, the tragedy, mm. the, the fear of what's going to happen to us. And then suddenly just that, oh my God, mm. what have you done? This is wonderful. Mm. And, and I use, oh my God, you know, literally and deliberately, mm. oh my God, wow, thank mm. you. Mm. And, and it just... I mean, I'd read this story so many times with, you know, please would you turn in your Bibles to, to John chapter 12. And yeah. it took me years to realize that it comes straight after the story before. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. I mean, I'm there. I'm just <laughs> taken there and I'm walking around the house smelling in this perfume and, you know, and just like, wow. Anyway, let's carry on. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and as a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put in it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plan to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. I mean, it's ludicrous, isn't it? Oh, we're a bit worried because somebody's been raised from the dead and that seems to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. Mm. Well, let's just kill him again and then people won't... I mean, it's like... Mm. It's I, interesting it, we never hear again of Lazarus. <laughs> I wonder if he was killed. Oh, I think we'd have been... I don't know. I mean, if they plan to kill Jesus and they kill him, yeah. and it says they plan to kill Lazarus... Well... I don't know. I mean, that's a bit morbid, but I'm just I, worried. I, I think, I'm I think, worried now. I've not read that <laughs> thinking that before. Oh, Lazarus. I, I think we would have heard if they had killed Lazarus. Oh, uh, really? I think so. And I also think Jesus probably would have raised him from the dead again. <laughs> I, I suppose that's what gets me thinking answer. is I think they would have um, uh, killed Lazarus if they hadn't managed to kill Jesus. Mm. I think it's one of those things like, you know, in, in the movie where, you know, they're going to, kill the sidekick but then then the sort of the hero rides in and if they can kill the hero they'll kill the hero and yeah. not worry so much about the sidekick no no point killing robin if you've already got rid of I don't know. anyway so let's go to this story obviously it's a, it's an interesting story lots of meaning um mm. you know and it's it's a fair it's a fair argument if you take it as argument's sake like this could have been sold this could have been used we can give this to the poor why don't we do that mm. now Obviously, we we talked about this before in another uh, episode, hmm. where what what he's denying is the devotion. He's denying yeah. the the element of this is this person's, and they mm. want to use it for this reason because it's an act of devotion mm. and love, and you should not take that away from them. And often we try and do that. We try and like we judge how people give, yeah, and how much they give. And actually quite here, this person is giving all that they have or a huge amount of money, um, a year's wages, we're told. And she's just breaking over G's feet. Mm. You look on, you might think that's a waste, but for her, it's a great act of devotion. And Jesus receives it as such and uh, names it as such. And uh, it's it's great. And actually, I, I think also it does set an example for us. I think we should 
give to the poor as well. I think that's very important and very mm. important biblically. But there is something also about just giving in worship as well. Yes. And I think sort of, um, you know, I know some people are very critical of when, you know, people lavish money on restoring a church or something like that. Yeah. Or, you know, or we shouldn't spend money on, um, you know, the, the worship of the church because we should be spending it on the poor. But actually yeah. I think Jesus loves it when we pour out our devotion financially as well as in other ways. Mm. Um, and although it has to be said, John is at pains to tell us that the reason why Judas was waxing yeah, lyrical did. about the needs of the poor was not because of the needs of the poor, but he, because he, he would often steal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of a, it's always like, uh, do we need to know that John? <laughs> I, well, know. I, I mean, I wonder as well. I mean, it's funny. There's a lot of people these days who want to rehabilitate Judas yeah. uh, in terms of betraying Jesus. Um, and, you know, try and make G Judas a, a lovely guy who mm. just misunderstood Jesus a bit and was trying to force Jesus. I mean, there's all kinds of stories that make Judas seem really, really lovely. And uh, I read this, I'm like, he was he was a thief. He was stealing mm. from Jesus. He was, he was, his heart was not right. Mm. He, he wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't doing the wrong thing for the right reasons. Just put it that way. Right. Right. <laughs> um, sometimes people use this. You'll always have the poor, you know. But me, you don't have as an as you know as an excuse to sidestep helping the poor. That's, you know, it's almost the opposite of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you know, do help the poor. You know, that's good yeah. to do. You'll you're gonna have them around. Help yeah. them, but you won't always have yeah. me around. That's what he's saying. He's not saying yeah. you don't need to help them. You'll always be there. You know, or, or your help will just be yeah. wasted because they're always there. No, he's he's saying you should help the poor, yeah. but you, I, I'm here and you now for a limited time. Help mm. me work. I mean, it is it is worth saying then at around about this time, Matthew chapter 25 mm. is in the last week of Jesus's life as well. Mm. He tells the, the story of the, the sheep and the goats, the parable of the sheep and the goats, and he explicitly talks about how important it is to look after the poor and the needy. Oh, yeah, I mean, so so they're, 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 you, 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 you don't need to go very far to discover that Jesus thought looking after the poor was a good idea. Yeah. More than a good idea. I mean, his favorites, <laughs> you know, you could argue. Let's carry on. Triumphal entry. Chapter 12, verse 12. The next day, a great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, O daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize these things that had been written about him, and they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look at how the whole world has gone after him. That's interesting. I'd never placed the raising of Lazarus in the same vein as the triumphal entry. Mm. As Probably I, because we usually read it in the other exactly, gospels. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's really interesting. So part of the the big crowd celebrating was he's raised Lazarus. Lazarus is there. The people that had come from Jerusalem mm. weeping and wailing to support Martha had seen this mm. raise erection. Now he's he's at Bethany, he's raising Lazarus, and now he's entering Jerusalem. And they're mm. like, wow, this is amazing. He's coming and it's Passover and this must be the time. And that's really, it's mm. so much fuller picture, isn't it? Mm. Beautiful kind of imagery of them all coming. 
It's interesting as well to see that the disciples don't really understand because the crowd clearly don't. I mean, there's a, the crowd is almost like a player in the story. You yes, have the, yeah. the crowd here. Mm. You then have the crowd again shouting crucify a yeah. week later. And we do often stop there. You then get the same crowd at Pentecost yeah, and 3,000 of them giving their life yeah. to Jesus. So there's a sort of, there's a story arc yeah, and the, the crowd, crowd here make, as well. want to make him the king when yeah. he's on feeding them. And he's like, oh, better go away. They got this wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, Should we carry on? Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip who was from Bethsaida in Galilee with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew. Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it now, I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there heard it and said it thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for the judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up when we've heard from the Lord that the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the son of man must be lifted up? Who is the son of man? Jesus, then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light while you have it so that you may become sons of light. When he'd finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Oh gosh, it's so it's so wonderful. I love mm. this bit about the Greeks coming to him just as he's entering Jerusalem, just mm. as he's on his way towards his last last days and um, before the cross. And I and it just feels like this moment in which Jesus recognizes, bang, this is this is now the time. So what mm. what the way I read it is up to this point. Jesus has been speaking to the Jews. He's been uh, drawing the Jews in. He's been mm. having a chat with the Pharisees, having an argument with the mm. Pharisees, trying to turn them away. The crowds of Jewish people have been following. He's been healing the sick and raising the dead. He's been doing all these things. And now suddenly, and through these different times when he said controversial things, it said, and they tried to stone him, but they couldn't because his hour had not yet come. And, you know, there's things like that that happens in scripture. And mm. here, yet, yeah, it is when he, he recognizes that these Greeks have come, these non-Jews, these mm. Gentiles who have come from different eras, suddenly they start to come to him and they start to seek him out and even come towards Jerusalem in a sense to find him, to be mm. like, where is this man? We want to speak to him. And when he's told there are Greeks here, to see, he goes, now it's the time. And it feels like the Lord, the father within, you know, the relationship mm. with the father and son, he's like, now it is. And in somehow Jesus knows they're coming, the Gentiles are coming in, Jerusalem, the Israel is becoming broke in a sense, mm. I don't want to say broken open, but like re-understood. Now it's the time for me to be offered for them all mm. and offered on behalf of these guys. And he quite overtly says, now is the time. 
and he talks about his crucifixion and he's like, I'm on my way to die. Mm. And I think that's really powerful. It is really powerful. I'd never, I'd never seen the connection between the Greeks coming to him mm. and, and that that's the moment when he says the hour has come. Yeah. Um, and it is directly linked. It is directly linked. I'm, I'm still feeling I want to explore a little bit more before yeah, I commit, commit no, myself to that interpretation, but commit. I do like it. Mm. It's interesting to say Philip is a Greek name as well. So it's interesting. They go mm. to someone who's obviously got Greek connections, but yeah, the hour has come and the hour, it's a big question, a big idea in, in, um, in John's gospel. Yeah. And you know, the, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. I love that as well. And then mm. how he uses this, mm. this, this, the sort of image this parable mm. of the grain of wheat that, that somehow in John's gospel, the glory of the cross mm. is teased out. Even as in the next bit, he says, now my soul's troubled. Shall I say, save me from mm. this hour? He, he, he knows it's going to be painful. He knows there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a fear in him that, you know, all the horrors of the cross are still there. And mm. yet, and yet John also sets forth mm. f forth for us. And in Jesus's words, that the cross is also the glory of Christ. Yeah. And he's like, what, should I not do this? Of course no, I should. Glorify, oh, your yeah, name. glorify your name, Lord. It's great. And, and then he's like, guys, I'm only here for a bit longer. Put your trust in me now. Yeah. The light is with you. Trouble is coming. Do it now. And it's just, it's just like the sense of mm. urgency towards them. Let's carry on. Even after Jesus had done all these things and raised miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason, they could not believe because, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deaded their hearts so they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts, nor turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Then Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but he believes in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save it. There is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. That very word which I spoke will condemn him at the last day. For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that this command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. There's so much of this Trinitarian speak in John that I haven't mm. really seen before, other than when we read it in this long mm. form, you just see him talking again and again about the Father and I and the Father and mm. you know and the the oneness that's going on and and um and you know you you sense this Jesus is like guys look believe in me believe in me see that mm. i am the father and one i'm doing my thing i'm you know i'm trying he's trying to call them to himself mm. and just wants israel to turn turn away and turn to him and yeah. you know i don't know it's interesting in my mind like imagine if they did imagine if they did turn around and say 
you know, they saw the miracles, they saw the signs and they repented and the Pharisees threw down their robes and they just said, I'm so sorry. And they yeah. came to him and they enthroned him and they said, Lord, you are the one and we repent of our sins and we're coming back to God. Mm. And Jesus in that, he was trying to do that. And yet he sees that they're, you know, he sees that they're not. And maybe and if they did, if they did turn around and repent, maybe he would have been enthroned in Jerusalem and not crucified and done things differently i don't know i mean i'm just kind of saying that but it's just interesting that they, there's this eagerness from him f for them to see him and yet they don't they continue in their unbelief and he's like well i'm gonna i'm gonna do everything i can and if you know mm. you're not believing me so you know what i'm i'm gonna i will die for you mm. but I, I long for you to repent before that is needed to come to me but i will do everything that i can and you mm. know everything that i can is ultimately laying down his life I mean, I suppose there's the, the bit before the, the the first half of that bit mm. you read, the sort of about the unbelief and those mm. prophecies from Isaiah that actually, you know, it's been prophesied from from all eternity that actually this would happen. Yeah, all the scriptures say and point towards Jesus. We kind of think, oh, they were so close, but they, but they weren't because there's a there's a hardness of heart in humanity. Yeah, um, and that is quite it's quite difficult to hear, but quite strongly judged in that bit when mm. when when jesus well, well it, um, here he he doesn't actually quote the, the verses from isaiah himself they're from john. john yeah john does but but in in mark and matthew he when talking about the parable of the sower he, he does you know quote them himself that 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 somehow when god appears when, when jesus speaks it divides opinion mm. and um and it um, it calls you to repentance, and there are some who you know, they 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 fall down at his feet and worship him. Yeah, there are some who 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 get saved, mm. who believe, but then there are others who it almost makes them worse. It hardens yes. them. In fact, it doesn't almost it. It does. It's and 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 that there's this sort of there's this dynamic again and again in scripture that mm. that when God appears, the people who are who've hardened their hearts Get the appearance worse. of god makes them worse and this yeah. this 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 fact that that sort of it, it intensifies or the it sin it reveals more of their true fatherhood yeah which is to the devil in a sense you know yeah yeah it's interesting it's like oh gosh lord of mercy yeah hmm. and 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 i suppose you, you know that is just a that is a key theme i think in john's gospel there's you know, all all of the sort of the last few episodes, there's been the people who who have gone after Jesus, who've believed in him, mm. and then there's been the opposition. And and I think we see it again in the book of Acts. I think it's it's something I've reflected on um in my own life because Jesus says, In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. We'll mm. see that at the end of chapter 16. But he also says, you know, the world will hate you because it hated me first. He, he he tells us that we, as his followers, should expect to have that same reaction from people. And and I realized a few years ago when I was going through a difficult time and getting a lot of opposition mm. from outside the church um, uh, that that actually I'd always sort of fallen into the into into assuming the middle mm. that you know actually people liked me and thought I was a nice man. Yeah. Oh, what a lovely vicar yeah, there sure. is over there. Mm. Um, that that I was doing something right. Yes. But actually. 
I've almost come to the conclusion that if that's people's reaction to me, I must be doing something wrong because Jesus, you you either worship him or you try to kill him. <laughs> but there's not there's not a lot of people in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think the rising apathy towards some of it sometimes gets me. Yeah, it's even worse. I'm like, Ugh. yeah. When people are like, oh, I don't really care. Whatever. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to finish there. How do we finish on a high? How do we finish on a on a you know, we've talked about life and death and the, you know. And well, I mean, I mean, he finishes on, on eternal life. He says, yeah. um, I speak only what the Father tells me to speak. Mm. I Therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Mm. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. Mm. So it's an unusual turn of phrase, but oh, isn't yeah. it beautiful? His uh, that might just be the translation I've got in front of me. But he says, and I know that this, that his commandment is eternal life. Which verse? Um, this is the, the last verse of chapter 12, verse 50. For I did not speak on my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me to commanded me what to say and how to say it. I know that his command leads to eternal life. Isn't that beautiful that mm. that, that that even with all that we've said about mm. sort of dividing and hardening, God's heart mm. is for you to have eternal life. And it's not just God's like vaguely hoping you might get there that, that, that his commandment is yeah, eternal life. That's great, isn't it? Yeah, that's the place to finish. Like command <laughs> God commands that we that we would have eternal life and he's commanding Jesus to teach on it, to tell them, you know, yeah. to yeah. And to bring it through his death and, and resurrection. Well know this, my our listeners, you are you are commanded to eternal life <laughs> from the Father when you come to Jesus. I love that. Yeah. Uh, let me pray as we as we close there. Lord, thank you for that command, the commandment to eternal life, the oh, the truth that Jesus, you've done all things for us, um, that you and the Father are one, and that um, mm. you call us your own, you call us home. Lord, we've touched on varying subjects, varying difficult things in this podcast, and we just pray for your presence and peace to be with everyone as they battle, they struggle, and they navigate your word and your will in their lives. Um, I pray against a sense of rushing or forcing to do anything. And I just pray a pondering and a, a stillness with you in what they've thought and, and heard. And I pray, Lord, that you would draw righteousness and truth and love and peace through all your children. Bless us and guide us and wherever we are, find ourselves wherever we are in the world. May we know we're loved. Amen. Amen. Hey guys, this is Rev Chris. Uh, thanks again for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and been blessed. If you'd like to support me, then you can head to my Patreon and the link is in the bio. God bless.